Hello, I'm Melody Asani. I'm Julie Burns Walker. Together, we welcome you to the Butterfly Forecast. Sushi, you know how sometimes you and I talk about things that inspire us or people that inspire us, sometimes people who have overcome adversity or people who uh, figure out who they are in spite of adversity. Yes. I was thinking about the mystery of how many times people will bring up to me in a conversation, not just in work-related conversation, but just conversations about wishing they had a mentor. Or sometimes people are angry. You know, I never had a mentor for this or for that. Or, or it may come out like, nobody ever taught me how to do this or nobody ever told me this about life. And so I feel like there's maybe a expectation, you know, that you should have that. I can relate to that. Me too. And even, for example, the whole thing, to unpack the whole thing, is what I was wondering about, like, what you think about mentors um, and also, like, what your definition of a mentor would be. Well, you know, I just really like learning about people's stories, you know, and there's a lot of people that I admire who have talked about their mentors and they talk about them in this loving way and, and how, you know, they wouldn't have been able to do it without their mentor and how their mentor, but it it's almost kind of magical, which I think is the part that I'm realizing now, like I interpreted from a dysfunction where I kind of felt like I was waiting for somebody to bestow something upon me, maybe because they had it or they achieved it. And so I was like, well, because you have, um, if I'm in close proximity with you or if I'm receiving whatever it is from you, then I'll get it too. And as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that that's actually not true. I mean, somebody could help you, but nothing really comes from anybody else. It has to really truly come from within you. So I feel like a true mentor is somebody that can help you find you better, which kind of throws the whole concept of mentor into something else for me. Cause I'm like, is that really a mentor? Or is that maybe just a really good friend? Or is that a smooshy? Or, you know, what is that exactly? So I'm very much in the process of trying to figure that out or questioning that for myself right now. I think that you can have a mentor, but possibly you might even not be aware that that's a mentor until later. Mm. Do you have an example of that? I mean, I don't think that people who have talked about their mentors very frequently say that their mentor announced themselves as a mentor, but rather they talk about how they were learning something and this person really was their mentor and how to. And I, I think, like, for example, there's this doctor I really, really admire. I feel like he's uh, an advocate. I, I feel like he's a true physician. 
And he would tell me, uh, because he also worked out of a teaching hospital, he's a surgeon and also a teaching doctor. And he had, you know, all his interns that he would have and take them through. He was telling me all the things that he was striving to impart to them, but that he said he always kept watch for maybe one or two who actually understood what he was teaching them. And he's like, they're just with me and trying to learn, like, how do you do this procedure? And how do you do this really excellent, you know, with excellence? And he said, but I'm trying to teach them how to treat their patient, how to heal the patient by imparting to them. I've got you. I've got your back. I'm paying attention to you. I'm here for you. Yeah. And so he said that was a very difficult thing. And in fact, a rare thing to impart. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like year after year after year, he took on all these different residents and all of them were going to become medical doctors and many of them surgeons. And yet he said, only a handful over a great many years would he feel that he had released in the world with the know-how he desired to impart. I don't know if you can train a person to do that. You can't. Mm-mm. And I've seen, you know, I've always been interested in like mentoring uh, programs like, you know, you could become um, in the U.S. We have like Big Brothers of America, Big Sisters of America, these beautiful programs to pair up with a child who doesn't have uh, mentors in their life. They may not have parents in their life who are active. And so they really are in need of it. Those programs you get trained to participate in. But I wonder how many people who go through that program really truly become someone's mentor? Yeah, I feel like it's a gift. You can't just be, you know, it's funny because a lot of people reach out to me and ask me if I could be their mentor, which I think is so funny. Why? I, I think it's such a personal thing to share space with somebody. And, it, you know, I, I don't know if I have that gift, but even if I, it, regardless of whether I had the gift or not, it would require some kind of inspiration for me. It would require for me to see something in somebody and be like, oh, I can help cultivate this or I can help provide some kind of support for this specific thing or this particular thing. The hard thing about mentoring is I feel like the mentor has to choose the mentee, not the other way around. Wow, Sushi, that's profound. I think that's so true. Although I have heard some people say that one parent or the other really mentored them and then very specific ways, how to become this or how to offer something in their life or how to attain something or how to overcome something. So I don't think that the mentoring happened carte blanche across the boards. I think it happened because certain things were highlighted in their life and that parent turned out to be the greatest influencer in them uh, becoming, you know, who they are. I don't think that's a given. 
It's so interesting that you're talking about mentoring from these different standpoints. Like I never thought about uh, having a mentor for, for life. I've always thought about mentors as like a career thing to help do the thing that you want to do in the world as your livelihood. I've never thought about having a life mentor. Oh, totally. I mean, now that you're talking about it, I totally see it, but it's, it's funny that I've never thought of that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about mentors in like, uh, a master's program or a doctoral program. And there really was someone who they signed up with to mentor them through the program, kind of to help them avoid pitfalls and attain like a higher place in the program or achievement. You know, I think that's true. Um, but I think there are many kinds of mentors. You know, it's really interesting. My dad, oh my gosh, I can't remember how old I was all the years, but for many years when I was a little girl, he would share with me that he was visiting a boy who uh, was an at-risk youth. He didn't have a father. He had never grown up with a father. And he was facing, um, it's not juvie, it's not that but it's like if you've committed enough crimes you are in something that's kind of a segue into the prison system uh and this boy was such a kid and my dad heard about him and he just started visiting him which is not the zen master's nature as you well know but to get involved emotionally with someone that he's not he doesn't have to do the work with but he just kept visiting him and uh, they established a relationship and he kept on and he visited him for many years. And later on that boy called him his mentor, uh, which really surprised my dad. I remember him telling me, I don't know why he called me that. He said, I was just visiting him. And I said, well, how many other people do you think ever visited him just to see him, not to talk about his crimes or his progress or where he's going, but just to see him and just talk about life? Smishy, remember eight years ago when I got invited to the White House? <laughs> I know you were going <laughs> to I got invited to the White House for a Women's History Month dinner um, when... President Biden was then Vice President Biden. And they asked me to bring my mentor and I brought you because I was like, I don't know if I, I have a mentor. And I told you, and I remember you were cracking up. Why was that so funny to you? Uh, because I would never have seen myself as a mentor, much less your mentor, because you're such a big person inside. You're, uh, you, you may not know what you're going to do next. You may not know how to handle certain things in life like all of us, but you have such a strong, fully gelled uh, awareness and presence of yourself. That is why. And I never thought I influenced you. That's crazy because you're probably one of my biggest influences. But isn't this interesting? Because even though mentor isn't the 
proper word. It is the closest I've ever had to one because of how much you've influenced me and not necessarily because of what you've said, maybe, but, but just because of who you've been to me. The same way you were just saying the story about your dad. Uh, yeah, it's a mystery. I think like I'm mentoring and, but I do think it's so interesting, like the petals on that flower, what that kind of unfolds and how different things might bring out the mentor in you. I mean, I think you have mentored a lot of designers in finding their thing. I mean, do you see yourself at, you were talking about people who have requested you as a mentor, but have you ever seen yourself as a mentor? Have you ever consciously mentored someone? Consciously, I have. I've tried. I don't know if I'm good at it per se, Hmm. but I've tried to just pass down what I know or the things that helped me to see if they could potentially help somebody else. I love that. It's so altruistic. I've tried. I've definitely tried many times, whether it be to my success or detriment or to theirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. I guess you don't know until it bears some fruit. Yes. Well, would you consider, because I know when you were living in Swaziland, which is now called Eswatini, you were training as a traditional healer under PH. And would you consider PH one of your mentors? No, I would say PH was family. He was like, he became like my second father. And I think I also was a daughter to him. And over time, uh, I don't think it started out that way. I mean, even though it had the potential and he called me his daughter when we were alone, but I do think towards the end when I actually graduated as a traditional healer, his pride in me became apparent. It gave me great joy that he had that pride, that that this was something that was important to him. It didn't dawn on me it was something important to him until we met with the graduator. They were signing papers and approving. And this look on PH's face is when I was like, oh, This is not just something about me. This is something about him. But I think in terms of mentoring, I really have only had one mentor in my life that I would say feels like that, that thing that guided me and unpacked me and saw me for me rather than me fitting into their paradigm was um, Margaret. Uh, Fields Keen. And she really, I didn't think of her as a mentor at all. I was just trying to help her out. And over time, when she invited me to come with her and teach me her systems and methods of kinesiology, again, I really was just thinking she was working so hard. And I admired her and her works so much that I was just trying to volunteer. I didn't know a relationship was forming that later really became a mentorship because it was only after, like towards the end of her years in Africa, when she moved back to the U.S. and I started to see her and she would call me, which 
was unusual for great lengths of time, she started saying, you will soon be the last person in my life. And she's like, you can ask me anything you want. And then she started, I didn't have anything to ask her, so I didn't. And so she started just sharing things about life with me and about me with life. And I think that mentored me in a way no one else could have done. And I think it slotted in things I never gelled and never formed and never knew I was and kind of brought out all the things that I'd kept hidden. And so from that moment on, I don't think that I had any secrets. I think I didn't have secrets for myself from life, from why I was here. And I think after that, nobody could ever make me feel lesser than or compared to. That is real mentoring to me. But Sushi, see, that was just where I was uh, deficient and avoid. And I'd never expected a person could impart anything to me, which is why I was always just figuring, oh, well, whatever I have, I'll give to them. I never expected to get that back. The last year of her life, she constantly called for great lengths of time and she'd say, I think you should work on me today. And I was like, what? She's like, yes, I think you should look at me and tell me what you see. And uh, that had never happened. So I did. And she was like, you see, I don't think you need anything more from me. And that's when I realized she was preparing me for her passing. The minute she said that, I was like, oh, you're not just saying well done. You're saying goodbye. Mm. And her messages grew more like that. That's when I was like, this has to be enough. I have to accept this like the crown jewels and there isn't anything further. And then she said, are you willing to live this if you're the last person the last one who knows these things? And I said, yeah, I've always lived that way. And she said, then you will. Wow. I feel like that moment, although it was more the end of our relationship, I felt like she was passing a kind of a torch. And that that lingered. And then she said, you know, you're the only one who's ever seen me. And so for me, that was like the greatest joy like bigger than any kind of confirmation could ever be. Especially, you know, that reminds me, remember I told you about my friend Jackie Walker, who was a, a tarot card reader and a lay dream analyst, really a profound yeah. lay dream analyst. And she had dream groups and she was really educating so many people about how to understand the dream world and the dreamscape. And uh, she was so very gifted, but she had shared with me the story of how she became that. And it really happened in a day, but she didn't know about it till years later. Hmm. How? Well, she had an extraordinary life story and I I would not wish to, I I don't know if anyone's ever going to write her story, but it's a remarkable one and a real story and testimony to if we ask questions about why we are here, they will be answered, even against the odds under the worst conditions. Mm. And under such untenable personal conditions, she emerged. And when she established autonomy from a horrific marriage, she emerged and uh, sent herself 
to pilot school to be a freight pilot, uh, which was like the virtual opposite of the world she was living in because she was a model. <laughs> and, and she became a freight pilot for uh, unknown destinations, difficult destinations, wherever freight was difficult to deliver. That was her job as a pilot. Wow. And she was very good at it. One place, she met this very old gentleman who uh, she said had a riveting gaze. And he had walked past her a couple of times and came back. And he said, I've been waiting for you and handed her a very old and weathered deck of tarot cards, uh, which she had never had a reading and had no interest in. And she was like, uh, I think you're mistaken. He said, there is no mistake. They will make themselves known to you when it is time. And he handed her the deck and he left. And she said, you know, she continued to do her work and she loved being a freight pilot. I mean, it gave her an independence and freedom she has never known in the entirety of her life. She loved the freedom of not being identified with her look, with her body, with what she had on, uh, with the wealth she had acquired through it and people taking ownership in that. And then she started to like study, start studying and being fascinated by dreams. And she read a great deal into courses in psychology and especially Jungian psychology. And she went quite deep and she was welcomed into such circles with profound dream analysts and analysts. And so she started up her practice and she said one day she realized that the symbols in a tarot card were not about reading someone's fortune, but about reading into their soul. And she realized they're archetypical symbols. And as soon as she did, she went back, took out this uh, tarot deck that she had kept in her drawer for years and years. And she started shuffling the cards. And as she did so, a couple jumped out. And as soon as she looked at what cards had popped out, she was like, oh, I know what they mean now. And that was the beginning. But don't you love that story? Yes, I love that story so much. I, what I love is she said she didn't know that gentleman was her mentor. She said it was all in the gaze. It was all in the moment. It was all in his clarity about who he was. And he was retiring his deck. And so... She knew. He recognized her. So a mentor can have, doesn't even have to really spend time with you, just has to see you and have a moment with you. <laughs> yes. And Swishy, I think you do that for people all the time. Mm. And I, I think people give you credit for it, but you're humble and you don't recognize it. But I think you see people who have the thirst. The, I, and I don't mean that in the derogatory thirsty, <laughs> but I mean, in the real affirmation, you have to have a thirst before you can receive, because how are you going to live the journey, which is arduous, which is so true. I know that's something me and a lot of my friends um, talk about is just that that thirst seems to be gone or, or diminished or dwindled down in this era. And I don't know if it's actually true, but 
And maybe it's something because of social media or Instagram or how it's so much easier to uh, get paid or to acquire things or to literally create something out of nothing and based on nothing that a lot of that thirst has sort of like that healthy thirst or that yearning has diminished a little bit. A lot of people want more of a shortcut. So I think they have more of a magical thinking about how they think they're going to acquire it. Mm -hmm. Like as if it's like Amazon delivery, same day delivery. Yeah. But the interesting thing is it's like we said at the beginning, you can't look for a mentor. You just have to be the thing. Like you have to be working towards your path. You have to be constantly in pursuit of trying to discover your purpose, you have to ask the question of what is your purpose, like you said, and just hope and trust that somebody will recognize that in you at the right time and want to mentor you in a way or want to, but they have to be able to see something and they can't see anything unless you're showing up. That's true. And also we must stop thinking that investigating what we are and our purpose has anything to do with career. Yes. We, we've got to stop thinking that there's a monetary outcome from it or a career outcome from it or a status change in it. It really has to be about the sacred journey. And so if we don't unpack developing ourselves as a mystery of qualities and gifts and talents and virtues and attributes, and that that's what we're unpacking. And the quest is, what does the beautiful constellation of that look like? Now we can look at where should you put your energy, which might also unpack the question of, is my career supporting what I am? Oh, that's the part right there. Because, you know, it's funny because I just want to tell our listeners out there <laughs> that sometimes these concepts seem so huge and vague. And it's like, okay, I understand that. But what are the practical steps of how to get there? Like, how do I actually become this thing that there is no reference for? Like, you've never existed before. How is it? And Swishy, you said something to me this last week, which really gave me a little bit of solace, which is whenever we're doing our deep, deepest work, it always starts off that way. It always starts off as like a vague sort of mystery of like, but what does this really mean? And the more you just stay close to it, the more information you'll get, you'll get little pieces and then it starts forming and concretizing but I think the most important thing is just staying with it, like continuing to work on it every day when you wake up, when you go to sleep, like thinking about it, questioning it. And as you continue to ask more of these questions with, within yourself, you'll start to receive more kind of answers from the outside world. So you just gave people like the perfect process to get into that questioning, to get into that awareness. I love that. Yeah, it's very true. It's the only way there. And uh, even if you were born with some kind of a, a rank, what if you were born as royalty, 
that doesn't mean you know how to be that thing. And that's not going to have anything to do with what you think. It's not going to have anything to do with the fact that you inherited it. You're going to become your own kind of whatever that is. Like, for example, in Swaziland at that time, our king, who is still the current king, King Amswadi III, his father, King Subuza, had the most extraordinary reputation as the people's king. His reputation was so well earned because he had a habit of visiting surprise visits, uh, different regions in the country, and just pop in and hang out with people and find out how they were and how their health was and how their agriculture was and just everything. He knew the people and how they were. And isn't that unusual? But his father, King Sabuza's father, was not like that. So what made him that? What turned him into that? He was also very kind of futuristic in his insight. He could see the future coming and uh, how the influence of different countries and commerce would have in the future. Now, Eswatini, he saw it all coming. And he was trying to prepare the people. In fact, he was trying to be not just the greatest leader, but a mentor. I think that's so remarkable. What is it? I wish I had known him and could, you know, ask him, what made you be that way? Yeah, I feel like it's probably a design feature combined with some kind of personal experience that you had where you saw a hole you could fill or something. You're just inspired in that way, like where you're like, oh, here's this thing and here's where I can add to that or what I can add to that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you were saying that you don't pick the mentor, the mentor picks you. But maybe sometimes we don't even know we need a mentor. Yeah, we've been talking about this on a personal level I mean, for me, one of the challenges growing up was that I don't think I ever had a mentor, so to speak, when it came to like romantic relationships. Like, I think oftentimes I was shown like, oh, you're not doing this right. But then nobody showed me how to do it right. You know, and I, and I still kind of question that to this day, because I don't feel like I ever had a, a mentor that was like, oh, this is what love is, or this is what love looks like, or this is how a romantic relationship could be or could not be. Do you think anybody did? No, but I feel like there is this thing with moms sometimes where I've seen it with friends where at some stage, your mom kind of teaches you how to do it you know, like with men, like kind of imparts this thing. And it's hard for me to even explain it because I feel like my mom didn't do that for me. And I, and I don't think it was because of any, you know, wrong reason. I think she was really just trying to fiercely protect me. But I, I feel like it's something that a lot of girls do get from their moms. Do you not agree? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that them modeling, modeling what it looks like to be respected, uh, to be valued, to be loved, to be treasured, but also 
that cannot happen if they don't have a self. Uh, so as someone who doesn't really have a self and they're loved in that way or um, adored, but they don't value themselves, I think that still is going to lead to problems. I think it's really the ultimate modeling is how much you know yourself, value yourself and live it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Like, is there, are there mentors that can teach you how to have a self? And what if we don't get that? Isn't that tricky? I mean, then you go and start opening yourself up to examples of what you are searching for. And then you have to explore the reality of it because I don't think that the goal should be searching for perfection. Rather, I think the goal should be looking for like strands of that being exemplified. I don't know any other way since there are no perfect people, but to see it exemplified in a way that you resonate with, that you can actually model after it. You know, in other words, it, it's applicable. I, I absolutely think it's true and still be yourself. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that. There is a lot of people that have no idea they were my mentors that were <laughs> that mentored me, you know, through their music or through their lyrics or through, you know, interviews or that was something that I was consuming a lot of. And oddly enough, I ended up becoming friends with a lot of those people later on in life. I love that. Yeah, I think for myself as well, like I didn't consciously go after a friendship, but I think when uh, there is someone that exemplifies qualities I admire, it's funny, life would bring us together repeatedly until a bond was formed. And so it's quite natural, but in the bond, I learned a great deal. As for mentors, sometimes just observing something happen once is enough to make you realize its reality and that changes you as well. You know, like you're saying, sometimes you don't even interact like someone's lyrics profoundly impact you uh, because it's a confirmation. You're saying, what? I know that too. I feel that too. Oh, it's real. It's not just me. That's extraordinary that you can mentor and be mentored by being authentic, being what you are. That's so, so dreamy. What do you think the role of mentors are today, like in society, not just in the U.S., but, you know, it seems to me that not everyone in the world has the privilege of being formally educated, but everyone does have people people in their sphere of life. And I hear of a great many people who will say, oh, it's my uncle who was that role for me. My uncle raised me. My grandfather raised me. Or, you know, my grandmother took me in and that is where I learned. And then they start telling you what was their greatest influence in, in life. What do you think that role is? Do you hear people talk about this? You know, people from so many parts of the world. Yeah, I, I feel like in my generation, elders were a big deal. Just the concept of having elders, you know, like a sage, 
wisdom, so to speak, from storytellers, you know, as just this, this thing. And I feel like we've kind of lost that. I mean, elders, the status of elders, I feel has changed recently. I think that youth culture has really just done a number on us. And maybe that's just particularly, particularly where I am in Los Angeles, but people are so obsessed with youth culture, just like staying young, being young forever. And maybe that's because people just think we're going to all die or the world's going to end soon, because that definitely feels like it's on the, on the agenda more than ever before in history. But I think that that's what I miss. I don't know if that answers your question, but like when I was on the reservation in North Dakota, I loved the amount of respect and admiration and how much power the elders held just because they've been around for so long and they're the carriers of these stories and they need people to pass them on to. They need to pass them down so to continue their the legacy or continue to the information because we forget so quick, you know, there's so much happening now that has been happening for so long. And yet we think it's happening to us for the first time. You know, we think we're the first ones we see the, you know, the sort of icons of the day. And we're like, Oh my God, this is the first time. And it's like, no, it's actually not. This has happened to so many nameless, faceless people before we just keep forgetting. Mm. We keep forgetting. I mean, isn't that the, the quest is to remember why we're here every day. You know, that's why we uh, work so hard, you know, to be better every day, like strive, strive to attain your true reality and be that no matter what happens, be your greatest self. You know, it reminds me, Sushi, this, um, I saw this documentary of a uh priest a young priest in the interior of Mexico and he was interviewed and he had a really big orphanage and school that he built and uh, the interviewer was like why would a young man want to be a padre (laughs) like uh, why aren't you like out there and creating a business and Uh, why aren't you starting a family? Like, why would you be a priest? Um, And why would you want to have all these kids that aren't yours, that are just temporary and wounded? And he said, oh, you're mistaking. You think that this is a sacrifice. He said, I already knew at a young age. uh, He said, when I, I had such a wonderful father, he said, I truly had a father who taught me everything about life. And he said, I foolishly believed all children had that. And he said, as soon as I began to become acquainted with how children have the opposite of that, and sometimes neglectful fathers or fathers who abandon them or fathers who abuse them, he said, I knew at once what I wanted to be. I just didn't know what you call it. And he said, when I realized that if I became a padre, it meant I could actually be their fathers. 
that's, he's like, I knew that's the only thing I wanted to do with my entire life. Isn't that so beautiful? So touching. So touching. And then you see him when he walks down the hallways and you see like children of all ages craning their necks just so that he sees them wherever they're heading. And they're all, they're all saying the same thing. Hello, Padre. It's me. It's me. Do you see me? And, and you can see him smile with love and ownership over them. And they have, he has a very high percentage of graduates go to school and then come back and work in his school. They want to carry on the same work. That's incredible. It also just makes me think of how much courage it takes to be the thing that you really want to be despite its how, how it's perceived, like how that interviewer perceived it as like, why would you want to do this? You know, you have to be so free and in yourself to know the thing that brings you joy and fulfillment to follow that truly and then educate everybody else about it all the time. <laughs> that's so true. Maybe that's this this whole theme. Maybe that's why we've become so um, enamored with superheroes um, or why fables still exist and, you know, Greek myths and legends and uh, that the stories of even creation, like the Bible is so full of metaphors and Native American histories and the verbal handing down the stories of creation. There's all these, again, the lessons so we don't forget why we're here and what we strive for. And maybe that's why, you know, superheroes have become kind of the modern day uh, whittled down version if we don't want to forget that we could become something better. Um, but I also think that we forget it's not about someone saving the day or someone having more powers than a human. It's that they were so very human. Yeah. That's why they help people, not because they have power. So true, Smishi. Smishi, do you have any wish for people, like if you thought people needed mentoring, do you have a wish for how people managed that or what they did with it? Well, I think it kind of is tied to what I was just saying, which is, I mean, I never thought I could mentor anybody. I still don't. But I do know that I'm in my purpose and I'm trying my best to follow my true design every day, which somehow places me in positions that I never thought that I would be in. And I feel like if everybody did that, then it, mentoring wouldn't be a job necessarily. It would just be paying it forward. It would just sort of be this natural thing that you would be set up for, you know, where you have the opportunity now, you have the privilege to do it now. Whereas if you're not in that place, then how can you 
pay anything forward. How can you provide that service when you're still in that place? So um, I think just being it and then being able to recognize opportunities or being open to recognize opportunities where you could truly pay it forward would be so amazing. But I know that it's hard, especially as you move up the ladder, so to speak, there's so few people at the top that remember why they're there, why they got there. Mm, That is so true. Well, I think a lot of people get places because they needed change. And uh, so change led to what they pursued and possibly the beginnings of discovering what they were. But I think that we have to know the difference between um, people trying to escape a daily practice of like the mundane uh, boredom is not why we need change. It, It represents that you need growth for sure, but pursuing change doesn't mean an adrenaline rush. And I think sometimes uh, we need to pursue the awareness that just because something's changed doesn't mean it's positive. You know, if it's empty change, like pursuing that adrenaline rush, then you're going to need a bigger rush next time and a bigger rush next time. And you're going to constantly need change and you're never being led to anything. Not sustainable. And you haven't explored the whole point of it. You know, like, what are you? Who are you? Mm-hmm. But by that time, but I think we need to have the respect that if you're bored, you're definitely capable of more than you are. Yeah. Well, just a little walk around the park about mentors. (laughs) Thanks, Mishi. Thanks for bringing that up. I feel like it would have never been something that I would have thought about speaking about. But yet again, you come with the heat. There's always something else, Mishi. There's always something else. So much to see and learn. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait for next week. Me too, Smishy. Always so good. Yes. Love you, Smishy. Love you, Smishy. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find the Butterfly Forecast every Tuesday with a new episode available wherever you do your podcasting. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. Hope to see you then. We'll see you next time.